You're listening to the latest preaching from Brixham Community Church. If you watched my last video all the way through, you will have found out that I love cheese. I really love cheese. I do. I don't know why. I'd give up chocolate for a lifetime as long as I could have cheese. It's just the way my taste buds work. Blue cheese, soft cheese, gorgonzola, um, all that roulette stuff with the herbs inside it, um, brie, camembert, uh, all, all the different different cheeses, different occasions, maybe a few grapes as well, uh, some nice crackers. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, even the cheap squares of cheese that you get on burgers that just probably are processed and, and unhealthy. I, I just like cheese. And it's probably um, one of my cheeky repeated temptations is just to go to the fridge and cut off a piece of cheese and just eat it as it is, especially at night. And I know it's not good for me. I know it will probably keep me up. And I know that eating, if I were to start a repeated habit of eating too much of anything, uh, it would lead to um, all sorts of diseases maybe and a shortened lifespan. And there are times where I have given in to the temptation at night, everyone else has gone to bed, I'm the last one to switch the lights off in the kitchen and I've opened the fridge door and there it's been just glowing in the fridge, the, uh, the cheddar. I mean, I just like cheddar and mature cheddar and I'll just cut a piece off and eat it but I could easily have more and keep going I, I just like cheese I'm a cheesy guy it's just the way I am and the problem is I know deep down inside that the thing is bad for me to have too much of it but I also feel very very tempted to do that thing and I know it's a silly little example and there are other much worse examples of things that we know we shouldn't do things that affect other people more directly and straight away um, that we shouldn't do. But we all feel this this temptation, don't we? I know it's not just me. Everybody, even non-believers, it's not just because you're a Christian and you want to live a godly life. Even non-believers have things where they struggle with this general idea. I've heard people say deep down inside, I'm excited by the idea of giving up smoking and this will be my last one. And so the story goes on. Or doing more for charity. Uh, but I'm just really busy and time is tight right now. Uh, or, or I've heard someone say, I'm just trying to swear less. Uh, I, I just want to not swear so much, especially around my kids. Um, but sometimes the words just come out of my mouth before I've even thought about them. Inside, I know what's right. And inside, I want to stop or I want to start something, but I can't help myself. There's a war going on inside me. I want to be more generous. I want to give more. I want to be more like that person who is very generous. But money's really tight right now. Or I'm quite excited. And I know deep down inside that I should get along to church every week or join a home group. But um, my kids have a club on a Sunday or my partner uh, doesn't want to come to church. And that makes it so much harder. And I know, I know that's hard. And I'm not passing any judgment here but I'm saying there are sometimes things that we know deep down inside are the right thing to do but certain obstacles from inside usually but also obstacles from outside as well make it very difficult but today I want to talk about the obstacles on the inside I want to talk about how we can control our bodies the whole series I'm unfolding here is to do with the mind and body and more uh, but today I just want to deal with some body talk the stuff we want to do with our bodies 
And even controlling our anger can be one of those things. Even though anger is an emotion, it's what we do with our bodies that is the outcome of that anger. And so I know that you're relating to something along those lines. If you are, put a comment in the box below uh, and just keep interactive with this and other people also can see uh, how we're dealing with that um, together. And um, I wanted you to see that you're not on your own and even the great Apostle Paul struggled with this and in his book to the Romans, we're going to be looking in Romans a little bit more here and there, just snippets, um, but there was a verse or two in Romans I used last time I want to come back to and show us that this is a perennial problem. Um, he says in Romans 7, 22 to 23, for in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. He's in two minds. And the Bible has a lot to say about this and a lot to say about how we manage our bodies. And last week, last time, I introduced the word flesh. And the word flesh, when it's used, generally in the New Testament, according to my new Bible dictionary, generally talks about the, the, the mind and body going in the wrong di direction away from, away from God. It literally means flesh, but uh, it's used in that way. It's used in a way where we're talking about the lusts and the desires of the self that are not compatible with godly living. So here's the verse from last time as a recap. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. And we talked about two practical action points. Number one was putting some guardrails in place so that the flesh couldn't govern the mind. Guardrails might be things like putting limits on your internet usage or uh, having a person around when you meet uh, a member of the opposite sex who, who secretly you're attracted to, uh, or uh, I don't know, just having things in place, you get the idea. You might call it a battle plan because it's a battle of the flesh. What is your battle plan? Because you have a temptation, everybody does. And mine isn't just cheese, but I'm only talking about cheese right now. And I need things in place, guardrails in place. Otherwise my mind will be governed by my flesh. And the word for mind implies, in the Greek there, implies um, not just what goes on in your head, but the, the way that the, the, the opinions you form and the things you think affect your outward behaviour. And if my mind is affected by my flesh, then I will, I will follow behavioural patterns that gratify the flesh and not the spirit. And what we're asking for is guardrails and a battle plan in place so that we can be governed by the spirit. And the second thing was, the first was guardrails. The second thing, action point, yes, uh, last time was to do with uh, surrendering daily to the spirit and asking the Holy Spirit every day to help us to surrender to him. Let me know how you've got on with that and uh, again in the comment boxes and we can share one another's thoughts together. Uh, we need to acknowledge though, we've talked about the mind and the flesh, we just need to acknowledge that we do have ordinary physical bodies. Well they're not that ordinary, actually we're fearfully and wonderfully made, but what I'm talking about now is not these urges and desires of the flesh. I want to just go back a step 
and just talk about the general physical body because that's what the Bible does. As well as having this word for flesh, which was uh, sarx, S-A-R-X, if you're going to spell it in English letters, um, we also have another Greek word to learn today, and that is soma, S-O-M-A. And it just means body, and it's a less emotional term. It's a less emotive term. It's more like your body and its parts, the way a scientist or a doctor would see, rather than how a psychologist or psychiatrist might have you relate to them. It's just your body. It's your body and its parts. And in today's verse, we have that word, body, not flesh. And I want to think about why that might be as well. And I think what we're going to see is that Paul is going to tell us to surrender our bodies rather than surrender our flesh, because it all starts with the body. The body is an unemotional word. And so if we can get the guardrails in place while we're in cold light of day and unemotional, we will find that the flesh is automatically surrendered. So we're going to surrender our bodies. But I may be getting ahead of myself. Let's read the verse. It says in Romans 12 and verse 1, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So let's examine this verse bit by bit. He starts off by saying, I urge you. The word he uses there is para, sorry, para kaleo. Uh, para means aside, like a, a para... Um, paramedic or a paralegal or a paraprofessional. It means someone who's kind of alongside and um, kaleo means to call. So parakaleo means I'm calling you from alongside and it actually has two interpretations. It can either mean I'm getting right in your grill, I'm getting in your face, I'm right close up. It's very personal. I'm calling you from right next to you. I'm shouting in your face or it could mean I'm getting alongside you like a brother with his arm around your shoulder and walking along with you. It doesn't matter which interpretation you take. It's been interpreted by the NIV as urge. And that kind of works for both ideas of shouting in your face or getting alongside. Para calio, calling from alongside. It doesn't matter which, uh, which way you look at it. Both sides are saying it's very important. This is going to be important. So what I'm saying to you is God is the same yesterday, today and forever. His word never changes. The urgency is still relevant. Pay attention. Listen to God's word and let's ask him to speak to us as we delve in deeper into this verse. So I urge you in view of God's mercy. That's the next part of the verse. I urge you in view of God's mercy. Well, we know that mercy is withholding judgment. God withheld his judgment to us. And the very beginning of the verse starts with the word therefore. And Paul has been talking about how God has shown mercy to the Jews and to the Gentiles. And in view of God's mercy of withholding the judgment and the punishment that we rightly deserved, in view of that, we're going to offer our bodies. God withheld punishment from us. We deserved death. He gave us life. That's grace and mercy. He, he withheld death and gave life. This is the viewing point from which we offer our bodies. And if we do it any other way, 
we'll fail. We'll, we'll offer our bodies as a living sacrifice here and there and make mistakes and fail repeatedly. We'll still make mistakes and fail, but not as much as if we try and do it in our own strength. What we've got to do is recognise God's mercy. If you get a viewpoint of God's mercy, in view of God's mercy, you will find it a lot easier to offer your body to him as a living sacrifice. And that war that goes on between you, between the cheese and the not cheese, between the smoking and the not smoking, and I don't condemn anyone who's addicted to those things because I know it's a constant battle. But the more we get a hold of God's mercy, the more we'll be able to uh, find it easier or we want to. That's that's, That's the end goal, is to get to a point where we just don't want to do those things anymore because God's mercy has been so, so great. You know, when you, you get out of your car and you've, you've wound, I think I'm thinking of a spot in the Lake District at the moment, but there's many places around here in Devon um, where you can get it out of your car at a viewing point. And sometimes it's signposted or even it's put on the map as a viewing point. And you get up the hill and you look across this vast valley. You get out of your car and you're looking across a vast valley at a, from a viewpoint. A viewpoint that you didn't have when you, you were down in the valley. You see things in perspective. And that's, that's kind of what we're saying here. In view of God's mercy, when you take a step back and have a look at what God has done for us on the cross and how we have received mercy, that's how we should respond. We should be able to see things more clearly. But imagining you're standing by the car and you look down into the valley and you see a a, a tiny road winding down, you realise that's the road you've been driving up. And you remember you can see a spot right down up there on the road and you know that just an hour ago you'd broken down and you've been a bit stupid, you felt a bit stupid because you'd not had your car serviced and there'd been a warning light come on and you still ignored that and your car had broken down, it wouldn't start and you're in the middle of nowhere, you're in a valley, there's no service or signal on your phone, and you, you just, you're miles away from civilization, and you start to panic, and it's, it's, it's getting frightening, and you're thinking, am I gonna be here all day? There's no one coming past, and you're in a bit of a mess, a bit like we were without Jesus in the valley of our sin. And then you're looking down, and you're remembering this moment where, a Land Rover appears. It had to be a Land Rover because they're Land Rover because they're great machines. Uh, and a guy gets out of the Land Rover, and he fixes your car, and he doesn't make a thing of it. He doesn't judge you for not having have your car serviced or ignoring the warning light. He fixes your car and sends you on your way. And now you're standing, looking down at that spot, remembering how brilliant that man was for you. I'd like to think that he was a shepherd in that Land Rover and um, you can see the parallels for yourself. This is the viewpoint. You get a view. You see how vast the valley is. You see how far from civilization you were. You see how lost you were and you see the great rescue that God has done for you. In view of God's mercy, offer your bodies. So that's the next part of the verse. Offer your bodies. Why? Why are bodies? Well, lots of reasons. And we've talked last time about the battle of the flesh. The battle of the body uh, is today as well. And so what we're saying is, what I want to say to you today is, Jesus offered his body for us. What a great starting point for us to have a view of his mercy 
and offer our bodies because of it. Jesus offered his body for us. We received mercy and so we offer something back to him. Willingly, not because we feel we're going to earn anything. Jesus earned it all. Now, if we're rich, we could, we could offer him money and many charities and churches would receive that very gratefully. If we had loads of time on our hands, we could offer time and help people. But what does it mean to offer our actual body? I'm looking at my body now, thinking about my hands, my feet, my knees. And here's a few thoughts I wrote down about offering my body. My body walks. Where will I take it? My body talks. What will it say? My body has hands. What will they do? My body feels pain. How will I respond to that pain? With my body, I can embrace, kiss, help, hit, slander. And with my body, I can choose to take it to bed at a certain time and wake up with an alarm in time for work. Or with my body, I can choose to wake up earlier than my body needs to spend time with the one who gave his body on the cross. With my body, I can sing his praises. Or with my body, dangerously, I can speak my unfiltered mind. See what I can do with my body and see how I can choose to offer it to God as a living sacrifice by making choices with where I put my hands, my feet and my mouth, where I even I put my ears. They're always glued to the side of my head, but where I put my head and focus those ears and eyes, that's part of the sacrifice that I give to God. So last time I finished with a prayer that you might pray um, to God and every night praying about uh, praying about your day and, and thinking it through. You'll see it there in the, in the notes underneath the video from last time. Today I've got a prayer for you again. You can add it or you can uh, replace it if you're getting tired of that other prayer. Uh, it's good to be creative in prayer and pray lots of different things. Um, today's prayer is God... How can I offer my body to you today? Why don't we just pause for a moment and pray that now? Forget the teaching. Let's apply it right now, wherever you are. I'm going to be silent for a few seconds, maybe five seconds. I'm going to say the prayer. I want you to say it with me. A day to say it out loud. And remember, it's a question. So questions are not always rhetorical. This question requires an answer so God has to respond and maybe he will answer it in the moment or maybe he'll answer it later on in the day. I'm going to pray the prayer now. Are you ready? God, how can I offer my body to you today? Amen. Well, Let's see if God sp spoke and uh, I'd love to hear those stories as we all do. Testimonies is how, as how God is helping us to move forward. But we haven't finished the verse yet. And what I wanted to say was we don't just offer our bodies. We offer them as a living sacrifice. It's all there in the verse. Now, thinking about sacrifices, remembering uh, that Paul was Jewish by birth and uh, born under the law and was very familiar with temple sacrifice. Sacrifices were offered by the priests every day. So it's very easy for us to think of the word sacrifice in common English, English usage. 
Um, and we can talk about sacrificing time and sacrificing things for people. And often it can be quite a, a small thing that you sacrifice. But we're talking about um, sacrifice meaning death. And uh, that's what I think would have been in Paul's mind when he talked about the body being a living sacrifice. And something about us has to die daily. Remember, I just said sacrifices were offered by the priests every day. And Paul, sorry, Peter in 1 Peter 2, 9 tells us that we are a royal priesthood. So we are now priests uh, because of what Jesus has, our great high priest has done for us. So as royal priests, we are meant to be offering a sacrifice every day, daily dying to the flesh, dying to the body. Sacrificing means death. If you don't like that idea, um, try on Galatians 2.20 for size and see if you still can reject the idea as biblical. Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. There is a death that takes place, symbolised by baptism, full immersion, burial and resurrection out of the water. There is a death that takes place in all of us when we become Christians. But I believe there is a daily dying to the body and the flesh that needs to take place. It starts with the body, the physical body parts and where you put them. And that leads to a, a killing of the flesh. So we sacrifice those parts of us that we know deep down in our spirit, because we've got his spirit dwelling in us, uh, are not pleasing to God. And that brings us on to the next part of the verse. As a living, uh, sorry, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. To offer ourselves in any other way than by the blood of Jesus would be unholy and displeasing. We can sometimes forget the work that Jesus has done and we try and earn our salvation all over again. This is not what we're talking about. We're not talking about earning God's favour with good works. We're talking about sacrificing the bits of us that displease God so that our lives can please him all the more because we love him so much in view of the great mercy he has given to us. And this is your reasonable act of worship. You know, the sacrifices that were pleasing to God in the Old Testament were those that were spotless and without blemish. Thanks be to God. This is how you now stand before God. Jesus took your place. You can now offer your body to him, knowing that despite all the faults you may see, the warts and all, he sees you as spotless and without blemish. So let's offer ourselves to him in acts of service and in acts of um, putting away the things that hinder us and uh, shaking off that sinful behaviour because we love him. As I say in the verse, it tells us that this, all I'm talking about is reasonable, it's logical, it makes sense, it's your reasonable act of worship. The word reasonable actually um, in Greek, I've forgotten what it is, but I know it has the sound of the word logic in it. It's where we get our word logic from and it means the rational uh, decision. And so it makes sense. It should make sense in your mind that if he's done all that for you, you should just want to sacrifice things for him. And it's a reasonable act of worship. 
not an, a reasonable act of service or any worship means um, the, the Greek for worship means to kiss towards. It's a reasonable act of devotion and love. Now, we know, again, thinking about sacrifice, and that was the Jewish way of worship. One of the Jewish ways of worship was sacrifice. Worship in the temple involved blood. Quite a gory story, this really, when you start thinking about it. Jesus is our sacrifice once and for all. Under a new covenant, under the new covenant of his blood, we offer him our bodies as worship, not for atonement. We don't try and earn his favour. We're not trying to get at one, at atonement, at one month. We don't try and get at one with God through our sacrifice. The blood has been shed and Jesus is our redeemer. And so our sacrifice is a response to it. And we don't need, have time to go into all the different types of sacrifice in the Old Testament. But you can sacrifice a thanks offering. You can sacrifice all sorts of things for different reasons. Sacrifice wasn't just about um, saying sorry for sins. Jesus has done that, but we respond with sacrifice of thanksgiving. We bring a sacrifice of praise. So it's time to renew the mind. None of this can happen unless we allow God to renew our mind. I've been talking about the body, a body talk I've called this, but none of that can take place. However hard you try to behave better with your body, there are levels you will never reach in God and in performance without a renewed mind working in line with the spirit to offer your body to him as a living sacrifice. Next time, we're going to see how we sacrifice our physical lives to him by renewing our minds. It's time to renew our minds. Then we can put our bodies in the right place and then our flesh will be destroyed. The so, actually, all I've done is an introduction to next week because verse 1 is what I've just read of Romans 12. Next week, we're going to continue into verse 2. Let me read them to you now together, the two verses. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living <coughs> sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Wouldn't that be great to be able to test and prove God's will? There is great power in these verses, so stay tuned. In the meantime, for <laughs> four questions for those who are attentive four questions number one pray this prayer they're not all actually questions they're response activities number one pray this prayer every day for a week god in view of your mercy i offer you my body as a living sacrifice how can i offer you my body today quiet yourself and listen for an answer Number two, how do you feel about the idea that your body can be seen as holy and pleasing to God? Do you need to ask God to talk to you about this? Now, this is for people particularly who have low self-esteem or, or dislike their bodies or have illnesses. How do you feel about the idea that God sees you as 
holy and pleasing when you offer your body to him um, and present it to him as a living sacrifice. Number three, offering our bodies is our true and proper worship. Does this challenge anything about your view of what true and proper worship is? If someone before this verse was known to you had said to you, what is true and proper worship? What would your, what would your answer have been? And finally, number four, what does it mean for you personally and in practical ways to worship God by offering him your body? What, what is it maybe that God's nudging you to do? Well, I hope that's been helpful. I know it's been helpful to me to study these verses anew and look at some of the, the words bit by bit. And uh, please leave your comments in the box below. That's particularly on, if you're watching this through the website, Brixham.Church, might not be as available as if you click through and watch it on YouTube itself where it's actually uh, stored as a video. Underneath there are comment boxes. You can also like this video uh, to get others to notice it more easily and you can subscribe to the Brixham Community Church YouTube channel and that way uh, if you tap the or, or click on the uh, the bell is a bell symbol there that means you will get notifications on your device whenever there's a new video and uh, that will help you to grow in faith in these difficult times god bless you in jesus name amen thanks for listening for more information visit brixham.church